Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I know that the seders are over, and probably the last thing you want to hear about is matzah. But the holiday is not over, and the old saying is, you can never have enough of a bad thing. Well, brace yourself. The uh, holiday of uh, Pesach has a number of different names in the uh, biblical record. Most famously and appropriately, it is given the name Chag HaMatzot, the holiday of matzah. And it, uh, it occurred to me over the Seder a question that I think is important for us to reflect upon. And perhaps next year you can consider it when you do your Seder. And the question is presented in this way. At the very beginning of the Seder, it wasn't that long ago, so you should in fact remember. Right after you dip the karpas into the salt water. And after you break the middle matzah, keeping the smaller piece for yourself and taking the larger piece and storing it away for the afikomen, just before the four questions is a short three-and-a-half-lined piece that sticks out for being profoundly unusual. First of all, you should note that the entire Haggadah is nearly constructed entirely in Hebrew, which points to a number of things. But there's one section that isn't, and it's this little section. In the English Haggadah, in the English part of the Haggadah, it is called the Passover story. In Hebrew, it is called the Magid. And it's not written in Hebrew, although the letters are Hebrew. It's written in Aramaic, which is the language of the Talmud. It is a language of rabbinic Judaism. But most importantly for us to consider is that it is written in the vernacular that the Jews spoke. In other words... People didn't speak Hebrew then. They spoke Aramaic. And then it was considered to be of such great importance that this section was written not in Hebrew, but in Aramaic in order to ensure that everyone would understand it. It's the part where it says, let all those who are hungry, let them come and eat. Let all those who are needy, let them come and, come and celebrate Passover with us. But the first line we're going to pay attention to in this morning because after the breaking of the middle matzah and storing away the larger piece for the afikomen, you're supposed to lift up the matzah and say, Halachma Anya, this is the bread of affliction that our forefathers ate in Egypt. If you move, well, according to the Nathan Goldberg Haggadah, <laughs> if you move 19 pages forward, we come to the section towards the very, very end of the beginning of the Seder before the meal, which everyone knows is on page 28. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and then Rabban Gamaliel, a great Talmudic sage, says that after all the discussions and the questions and everything, we have to talk about three things. And these three things are absolutely essential in order to fulfill the mitzvah of telling the story. And everyone knows these three things so well that Stephen Goldenberg now is repeating it for me. And they are Pesach, Matzah, and Maror. Pesach, Alma, because of the Passover offering. Maror, Alma, why Maror? Because, right, they made their lives bitter with the slavery. And why Matzah? And Rabban Gamliel says, because our ancestors didn't wait to leave Egypt. That this is what they made as soon as they were going to leave, because they didn't want to stay in Egypt one moment longer. 
And what's the contradiction? According to Rabban Gamaliel, the matzah is a symbol of freedom. But at the beginning of the Seder, it tells us that this is the bread of affliction. So what's the answer? You can't have both, my friend. It's either chametz or matzah this week. I'm sorry. There was an 18th century rabbinic scholar from Turkey. His name was Rabbi Yaakov Kuli. He wrote a series of remarkable commentaries called Me'am Lewis. And Kuli attempts to answer the question. He says, based on a midrash, that the matzah was a bread of affliction because when the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, that is what they gave them to eat. The food that the Egyptians gave the Israelites was matzah. And why was that afflicting? Kuli goes on to say, apart from all the other gastrointestinal problems we have with matzah, Kuli says that the cruelty, the afflicting part of serving someone matzah is, is that it bloats them and fills them up, but it has very little nutritional value. In other words, the Israelites felt full, but they were starving to death. And yet, why did they make that on their way out of Egypt? Certainly, God could have waited a few hours until their dough proofed, which would have been a more fitting symbol of their freedom from Egypt. To say, no, 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 no. We're not going to eat what they fed us. We're going to eat a rich man's bread. So why didn't they? It seems to me that there's a deep genius here for us to think about. And that is, if you were to take a page from Freud and Bruno Bettelheim, Bettelheim, of course, is the Holocaust survivor who in the 50s did groundbreaking work on childhood trauma, so much so that in 1973, he wrote a book about children and the relationships with fairy tales. And Bettelheim goes on to write that the reason why we have the, that we tell children fairy tales like Little Red Riding Hood, which is a horrible story. It is frightening. Or when you look at Jewish education, and I remember my children used to come home with artwork from Noah's Ark. It's a horrible story. The entire world is wiped out except for a guy and his family and some animals on a boat. And yet my children came home and everyone was smiling on the boat. And this is because the way that we deal with the pain and trauma in our life is not by ignoring it, but by doing something else with it. The fact of the matter is, everyone who has ever lived on this earth, if you have been blessed to live long enough, you have a reason to be sad and angry and hurt. Your parents did something wrong to you. There were people in your life who hurt you. You had disappointments. You had losses. But the question isn't what happens to us. The question is, what's next? And what the Haggadah places before us in such a simple but profound way 
is that the way that we can own what has come before us and then move to what next is by taking the symbols of what have hurt us and transforming them into something that is positive and meaningful to us. Did your parents hurt you when you were young? Be a better parent or grandparent. Did you suffer losses in your life, the loss of people who you love? Be compassionate to the people who are in your life now and understand the pain that other people have when they've lost something. Did you struggle when you were younger with difficulties? Appreciate that other people struggle as well. The reason why we have these moments in our life, why we move from the different explanations of matzah is summarily to teach us that we can take the difficulty and pain in our life and that we're not enslaved to it anymore. But we're free. And the way that we show our victory over our trauma is by transforming it into something that is positive and meaningful. As the British theologian Chesterton once wrote, the reason why we tell children in stories about dragons being slayed is because so that they should know that they can slay their dragons. Shabbat shalom.